Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 599 of the Juice Box Podcast. On this episode of the Juice Box Podcast, I'll be speaking with Sophia. She is a college student who has type 1 diabetes, and she is here today for your listening pleasure. While you listen to Sophia and I kick it around, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. There is so much music left. Um, T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. Diabetes Pro Tip episodes are at diabetesprotip.com. And at juiceboxpodcast.com, they begin at episode 210 in the podcast player that you are listening in right now. Please don't forget to subscribe in a podcast player. Please don't forget to tell a friend about the Juicebox Podcast. Don't forget about the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. There, I used up most of that music. Now we can get to the show. Hey, good news. There's no ads today. Um, Don't worry. There's still advertisers. Just I don't want you to worry for me. I'm just I've kind of completed my obligations as the year is coming to an end. And um, so I'll be giving you less ads, fewer ads. My wife would say I should say fewer. I believe that is grammatically correct. I'll be giving you fewer ads through the rest of the 2021 year. I am, however, going to take this opportunity to thank everybody who has bought me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash juicebox podcast. I guess I should also take this time to explain that when you go there, you're not actually buying me a coffee. You just, you know, it's it's a place that you can give money to people to support content providers. Um, it's a cute little name, buy me a coffee, but uh, I don't actually drink coffee. Not only do I not drink coffee, I've never had coffee in my entire life, not once ever. I actually try to avoid caffeine. Not the point. The point is, Thank you. Uh, 329 people bought me a coffee this year. And this is something that I uh, I didn't even want to do this. Like somebody who listens to the show was like, you have to have a place where I can give you money. And I was like, I really don't. I don't want to do that. And uh, they were like, no, no, please. Anyway, somebody explained it to me. And I'm going to talk about it in episode 600, which I think is the next episode. But uh, for now, thank you to all of you who have done that. And to all of you who will do it in the future, it means a lot to me. I try really hard, actually, to use that money to support the podcast. This year, I've bought computers and microphones and hard drives and backup systems and all kinds of boring technical stuff that helps the podcast run smoothly. It's stuff you don't see, but it is, uh, it's expensive and it's necessary. So thank you very much. And with that, let's listen to what Sophia has to say. My name is Sophia Lavolsi. I have been a type 1 diabetic for a little over seven years. I'm a college student. Um, I'm a blogger as well, as of recently, the past couple of years. But yeah, thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited. I am too. Um, college student, what, where in college? What part? So it's kind of small. So I don't know if you've heard of it. It's in Texas. It's called the University of North Texas. Okay. And what what year are you? I'm a junior. Cool. Uh, you're just turned 21 or about to? 
Yes, I just turned 21 like a month ago. Yeah, my son's halfway through his junior year right now, too. Is um, he 21 yet? Uh, a couple more weeks. Oh, I bet he's excited and you're <laughs> I, feeling some type of way. I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody's a drinker in the house, so I don't feel like it's going to just open a cavalcade of craziness. Um, <laughs> and I wish I wouldn't have said cavalcade of craziness so early on because that would have been such a good title for the episode. Uh, <laughs> That's a good title. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, no, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's an, it's a great time. I, I would think, though, with uh, COVID going on, it's really strange because I think he's about to petition his school to skip a semester. Uh, he was going to school virtually from his bedroom last you know, the first half of his junior year. Um, it did not go well uh, in his expect. You know, it it wasn't like a grading thing that was the problem. It was he just really didn't like it. Um, he takes kind of a difficult mathematic, uh, track and he said it just didn't lend itself well to it. So I think he's going to skip this one and hope that they end up back at school in the fall in a more normal way. So, wow. Yeah. Kind of sucked. Uh, you're in Texas, so you're in, probably don't have any of that going on, right? Oh no, we, we have it going on. All of my classes are online. They are personally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No kidding. From home. Um, no, because my parents live in Arizona. Oh, oh, so you're, you're online from your dorm? Well, from my apartment. From your apartment. But, but, yes. but still from your residence like there. How is that? Um, I would have to agree with your son. It's not the best just because I'm such a big people person mm -hmm. and learning in person is a lot easier for me. I have a lot of friends as well who are opting to like skip a semester and see what happens the following one. But yeah, I mean going decently let's say that yeah oh, i'm glad for you i really am I, <laughs> I i i was hopeful for him um but he just you know i think one class was a problem then the next class was a problem and he's just like he got through it and he was able to hold on to his grades but you know at some point he's like this was incredibly stressful and really harder than it needed to be and none of the other benefits of college like i'm not with my friends or like so there felt like there was no i think his life started feeling like a cycle like Get yes. up, do this thing, waste time, go to sleep. Like, I think his life turned into that, and he just didn't like it. So wh what's the degree you're looking for? So my degree is kind of interesting. It's called Business Integrated Studies, and it's where you can specialize in two fields without having to double major. So I'm doing marketing and organizational behavior and human resources. Oh, that's really cool. Have they been offering that long? Um, no, it's actually a really new program, and that's the main reason why I ended up coming here was for that program. That's cool. But it's intense, but it's good. I'm learning a lot. I'm glad for you. Uh, yeah, thank you. Of course. How old were you when you were diagnosed? I was 13, right right in the middle of puberty, let me tell you. <laughs> right in the middle of puberty. <laughs> <laughs> you got your you got your uh, you got your period and your and diagnosis in the same couple of months. Yeah, pretty much. What, what, what a, a big, time to be alive. I was going to say. <laughs> what a great story that you'll just never forget. <laughs> you know it. No, that's anybody else in the family have it? No. Nothing. Yeah, Any, anybody nothing. Uh, celiac or thyroid or anything like that? No, it was super weird. We don't have any autoimmune things going on. Okay. So it was pretty unexpected. I remember when I was diagnosed, um, I ended up going to the hospital and my dad came up because my mom was the one that took me. My dad was like, no, no way. Like he was like, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> and we were like, yes, <laughs> we promised they're not lying. 
They wrote it on the paper already. It's done. We have it. <laughs> I don't think we can give it back now. Um, what do you remember much of that time? I do. I do remember it pretty vividly. Um, I was in middle school and it was actually the week of cheer tryouts. And like looking back, that was such like a insignificant time. But you know, when you're in middle school and you're like playing that sport and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to get in or I have to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it means the world to you. Yeah. Yeah. So it was that week. And um, my mom had called my doctor because obviously I was like peeing all the time, drinking a ton of water, all the classic symptoms. And my mom was like, what's up with this girl? And the doctor was like, oh, she sounds like she has type 1 diabetes. Bring her in um, the next day. And so my mom kind of had a hunch, but she like didn't obviously want to tell me until we went. And so we went shopping for like my cheer tryout outfit. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to look so bomb. I'm going to kill this. And then she was like, oh, yeah, but we have to go to the doctor after. And I was like, oh, OK. And then we went and then it all kind of went down then. Um, but long story short, I still ended up going on the cheer team in middle school. So that was exciting. But yeah, it was just a weird week that week for sure. There was just a lot going on. I'm, I'm always um, it becomes more and more interesting as uh, the more people I talk to that a lot of kids who are diagnosed in that age range have a story that sounds like my mom said we were going to do this and then just swing by the doctor's office like I, yes, like they're trying to make it not seem as bad they're like oh we're just gonna i swear to you for a quick visit I, I, I swear to you i've heard that a half a dozen times from somebody like their mom's like you know we really? just gotta run out piggly wiggly grab a gallon of milk we might drop by the doctors you know <laughs> see what they say about stuff and then you know we'll go home after that it really is um it must be some sort of a uh, a, a tool that parents try to use to just, you know, buy a little more time or deflect a little bit from the seriousness of it or something like that. But what happens when you get in there? Like, were you having a bunch of symptoms? Yes, I was. Um, all the classic symptoms. And then another weird one that I had was water tasted weird. And like, we think it had something to do with just like the ketones and like the weird flavor it gives you in your mouth. You know what I mean? Did it taste metallic or fruity or kind something? Kind of. Like I, I literally just wouldn't drink water. My mom was like, what? But so, yeah, we went in, all the classic symptoms, um, tested my blood sugar, and it was like 500-something. And then we went in and did the three days in the hospital like most people do, um, learning all the things there is to know. Yeah. Now, I have no medical background whatsoever, but I find myself wondering, like I know some people describe a metallic taste or a fruity taste, a smell to their breath. I wonder if it's actually something in your mouth. And then you blend it with water, which has no other flavor. And if it doesn't end up feeling like the, that that liquid tastes like something. I, I, I realize you and I are not going to get to the end of that idea. but um, <laughs> It's an interesting thought, though. Like, it makes sense. Yeah, because it's just so strange that, that water tasted differently. But I know. That was a weird one. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so seven years ago, what kind of gear did you leave the hospital with? So I left the hospital with... Um, my little blood sugar meter and pricker and then just the like vials of insulin. Yeah. I don't know if everyone's had the same experience. Most people I've talked to have, but um, my doctor basically said you need to like just do standard shots for a little bit and then you can think about getting on a pump or pens. Mm -hmm. And so I left the hospital with just the standard stuff. Gotcha. And it, did you basically follow the prescribed course or did it go differently? I did follow the prescribed course. Yeah. How long were you injecting for? Um, or are you still? I'm actually back to injecting, but I'm on pens. But for the first 
little bit when I did the vials. I think it was for around six months, I believe. Gotcha. And then you yeah. try then you try to pump. Did it for a while? Yes. I was on the Omnipod and I love it. I did really like the Omnipod. Um, but I'm just I'm one of those people that likes to switch things up. So I ended up taking a break and then I went back on it. And now I've been on a break for a while again doing um pens. You know, it's interesting you say that because it took me a while to figure out that there there was a personality that that happened with. Like there's a there's a certain personality that's like, oh, I did this for a while, then I did that for a while, and I did this for a while. And I used to think like, oh, they didn't like their pens or they didn't like their pump or something like that. But now I come to believe that there's just a certain segment of the population who just likes to change it up sometimes. Is that how you would describe it? That is how I would describe it. I know it's kind of weird because pumps are just so helpful and um, they do make li- like life easier for sure. But yeah, I don't know. I just I like a little change once in a while. What can I say? Yeah. No, I, I it just <laughs> I'm just saying like at first I, ne- I didn't see it that way until I yeah, talked yeah. to enough people. No, I gotcha. Then, yeah. Then I was like, oh, this is just a. This is a lifestyle thing that happens to revolve around their diabetes like here a little bit. Like, do you change other things in your life? Like, like, are you a person who like moves the sofa from one side of the room to the other and stuff like that once in a while? Actually, yes, I am. I did not correlate that until just now. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I live with a person like that who <laughs> you're like, I thought this cabinet was for these. Like, no, it's this now. Where the thing that was in there? Oh, that's over here now. Why? I don't know. Okay. I just we go. need a change. Yeah, I just go, okay. It's fine with me. That's funny. It doesn't matter to me one way or the other. Uh, that's pretty cool. So um, management-wise, are things going the way you expect? And how did it go through, like, what's the run-up been? Like, where are you now and how did you get to it? Like, in terms of gear? What uh, I no, I, I guess I meant more like, you know, outcome. The outcome? Yeah. Like, are, is your A1C where you wanted? Is your standard deviation where you wanted? How did you get to that? Yes. Yes. So right now, my numbers are pretty good. They're where I want them. They are a little higher than normal. Um, I actually had an endo appointment a couple weeks ago. Um, but basically where I'm at now is I'm on the Freestyle Libre mm-hmm. and I'm doing my pens, as I mentioned. Um and it, it, it works pretty well for me. And another big one for me is working out. Yeah. Like, for example, last week I was able to get to the gym, um, like for the amount of times that I had planned And my, like, it's crazy. My blood sugars react so well to when I get active. And I know a lot of people are like that. Yeah. Um, and then like yesterday I wasn't able to get to the gym and I was running higher. So yeah, exercise has become a big part of my management access. And that's probably not something you thought of when you were younger, I would imagine. No, it really wasn't. Yeah. Definitely not. I mean, I was more naturally active when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, like life gets busy. I get lazy. I don't want to go work out. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny as you're talking about it, it seems to me that, you know, when you hear younger kids or people who are doing sports and there's like, Oh, you know, I can never keep my blood sugar up when I'm active. I wonder if it isn't that, there's a sedentary nature to their lifestyle, not sedentary, but a slower nature to their lifestyle that requires more insulin. And then all of a sudden they get up and go do a thing. And then during that window, they just don't need all that insulin. I know that, you know, generally speaking, if your settings are pretty stable, um, you just don't want to have active insulin while you're being, you know, athletic or active. But, but I wonder, it made me wonder, there's something about the way you just said that, that made me wonder if, that isn't part of what happens during activity. And now that you're an adult, if you keep your activity stable over weeks, 
then your adjustments to your insulin probably are lower. You probably need less insulin. And at the same time, you don't have as many lows while you're being active because you have that balance between the activity and the insulin levels. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I know like this isn't speaking for everyone, but that's definitely true for me. Okay. And that is an interesting thought. There, diabetes is just so fluid, isn't it? Like, yeah, there's just so many things to think about. There's so many times where the podcast is so helpful to me because somebody like I don't even in this moment, I know that 90 seconds ago, you said something that made me put those thoughts together, but I don't even remember what you said. It's just the way <laughs> you said it that like made me think like, oh, I wonder if that's this. Um, and that that's well, it's excellent. I'm glad that you're on a, a good exercise schedule. I would uh, probably need to get on one as well. Uh, <laughs> I know it's been hard, man, with quarantine, all these snacking, snacking moments. Yeah. The other night we just made potato chips, like made them, like started with potatoes and ended up with chips. It took hours because it's not an easy process. And still we were just like, all right, well, I don't even know if we want to eat them. We just needed something to eat the hours up here in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> were they good at least? How they did were they My wife really liked them. So anytime she says something positive, I know it's like amazing because she begrudgingly says nice stuff to me. So when she, oh but she's actually being nice, I'm like, this must be amazing. Um, <laughs> but I like them. I thought they were, I don't eat a lot of chips, but I had a few and I thought they were really good. That's the other thing. You're making five pounds of potatoes into potato chips. Then you take like a handful and you're like, all right, thanks. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's the weirdest part about being the cook sometimes. You, you put in all the effort and you just, you know, then you look at it and you're like, I should probably eat all these, but it's not really the way it goes. Um, okay. So what about the transition from home to college? How did you find that to be? I'm just jumping in here very quickly to say, I hope you're listening to the podcast in a podcast player. And if you are, please hit subscribe so that you get the new episodes every time they come up. Plus, it helps me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I rank higher with more subscribers. Uh, downloads are attractive to advertisers. Um, subscribe. I think on usually on YouTube, they're very slick about it. They're like, don't forget to subscribe and hit the bell. And I don't really know how to do all that. Just um, I just really kind of know how to be honest about it. I need you to subscribe. OK, so if you're listening in a podcast player, hit subscribe, please. Or follow. Some of them say follow. Some of them say, I don't know. They're, everybody's different. But follow, subscribe, tell a friend, et cetera, et cetera. Back to Sophia. Thank you. That was awkward. Goodbye. How involved were your parents and your management leading up to you leaving? Yeah, so that this has definitely been a big transition for me because I was living with my parents until around a year ago. So it was really interesting in the fact that I moved out in January of 2020 and then like COVID happened and everything. So it was just it was just a very interesting year. And I feel bad for my poor parents because they're finally like, OK, like we'll get you ready to move out. And then like the world just goes nuts. Mm -hmm. But um, since I was diagnosed at 13, my parents kind of approached it in the way of they asked me, like, do you want to handle this like mostly on your own and get used to doing things now and we'll support you? Or do you want us to kind of take the lead? And I decided that I kind of wanted to take the lead in my own management. So since diagnosis, I've been doing a lot of it on my own with, of course, the support from my parents. But like, and they're involved, like they will check up on me and help me in any way that I need. But I've pretty much always been independent, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so that wasn't too hard of a transition. But it was hard for my mom, especially 
just because like, you know, how parents worry. Um, she just had a hard time with me going off to a different state. Okay. And her not being there, if anything were to go wrong, but she does, um, have access to my blood sugars, which is good. But yeah, it was an interesting transition just going from like picking up your own prescriptions and like going to your own doctor's appointments because that's something my parents did a lot of with me. But yeah, they've always been really supportive, but I was mostly independent. So it wasn't crazy, but I feel like it was definitely hard on my parents to like let me go and like for them to be so far away. So they weren't necessarily people who were involved at, you know, a meal a day or you didn't go to them and say, Hey, I'm having a problem here. I don't understand it. You were taking care of it on your own, but they're, were they ever involved? Like, did you ever at 17 years old, go to them and say, I don't understand why my blood sugar is like this, or that just wasn't the vibe. No. Yes, that was the vibe, but they were very, they were respectful. And I think they were trying to like prep me for when I did go. They basically helped me when I needed help, but they also wanted me to like, learn on my own because that's also kind of what I wanted so it was it was like a half and half like I did a lot of things on my own but then if I was struggling I would ask them and they would be like this this, isn't this that makes perfect sense to me really the idea yeah it's an interesting dynamic because a lot of my other friends were diagnosed younger and so they they found it weird they're like what like one of my best friends she's a type 1 diabetic and when I go over to her house she still asks her mom like hey how many carbs are in this but that doesn't occur to you to do it all right you're not like you never have that thought for yourself personally so you think it's that she maybe was younger and had more time where that was the involvement from her mom whereas for you it wasn't as much yes yeah. yes okay. exactly it's interesting it really is just the difference of uh, a few years in one direction or the other and and um kind of what gets ingrained you i i love the idea of being involved, but not completely involved, especially as you're getting ready to leave. But I also find it just rings very true. The idea that your parents are probably like, even if they were trying to stay out of it a little bit and and make sure you could do it on your own, that the minute that you actually leave is overwhelming to them, I imagine. Yeah, it was my sweet parents. I I love them for sure. We have a great relationship. And like, like I said, like with COVID happening, dude, I was getting calls from my parents like 10 times a day. They were like, are you okay? Do you want to come home? Do you need anything? <laughs> you know what they meant? They meant come home right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, that's, listen, I, I would rather have that than than the opposite, right? Than, no, me too. Me yeah, too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're off on your own in Texas. Um, what made you, what made you reach out and like create um, an Instagram account and a blog and stuff like that? Yeah. So when I was younger, um, I think even just a couple months after I was diagnosed, my mom was like, let's go get involved in stuff. And so for the first couple of years, we were just like doing a lot of volunteering, um, going to different events. And during that time, I kind of developed a passion for just connecting with other type one diabetics and learning things from them. And then also maybe teaching them some things as well. Mm-hmm. And so when I was 18, I graduated high school. I was like, you know, it's kind of just like on my heart to start a blog. Like that's just something that I really want to do. And so I kind of sat on it for a little while. Um, and then eventually I made it mm-hmm. and it's, it's definitely been a journey. It's been like bigger than I ever thought it was going to be and more involved than I ever thought it was going to be. But yeah, the main goal of it was really just to like 
connect with people and like inspire people. And then obviously learn a lot myself as well. And one thing I love to tell people, like the people I meet on there mean so much to me. My A1C, like before I started the blog was like, it was like high sevens. Mm -hmm. And then like the next time after I went and got my A1C checked after like interacting with people and learning so much from the Instagram, it like dropped to like a seven or something like that. It was just nuts. Like I think the type one diabetes community is incredible. Like, and it's an amazing thing to be a part of. Yeah. The way they, the people so freely share ideas and, and, and in a way that's not as much instructional as like, it's more like, look, I'm doing this thing. This is how this works. It's, it's, do you know what I mean? Like the difference between sitting back and like acting like a thought leader and just saying like, these are the things that I know to be true and it's boring and nobody cares. You, you <laughs> see it, you see it in Instagram and you're like, oh, look, there's a person doing this. Like, what is that? It doesn't take a ton of explanation and you can kind of like watch them from afar and figure out this works. I'll try this. And did you ever feel, um, like it gave you something to be accountable to or is that not part of it? I'm not sure. I would, I would say that's a little bit of it, a little part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but not, just not necessarily in terms of posting, but I do have quite a few friends that I like chat to from there on a daily basis. And so I guess just like talking to people on a one-on-one level, like how, how are you doing? How's your um, sugars, like what's going on, right. but yeah, it's, it is nice. Cause I guess there's a little bit of accountability there. So you said, you said that it ended up being bigger and more, I felt like you said, and more work. So how did it end up being more work than you thought? Oh yeah. I said more involved. More and involved. what I mean by that is I kind of started it as just like a fun little account, but then it just, it just kind of got bigger because I mean, I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. And I started like just being more active on there, Mm -hmm. but yeah. And it's, it's just great to connect with so many people. I didn't think I would connect with as many people as I have, I guess. So it was just like a happy surprise that it was, that it, it, it reached people and that took more, more involvement to, to connect with them, talk back and forth and put up a, put up, I guess, content and, and everything that goes along with it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm I'm so glad of how it all turned out. It just blows my mind sometimes. I'm like, man, I thought I was like making a little Instagram account. And now it's just something totally different. (laughs) Like, I'm sure maybe like, you know, when you first started your podcast, obviously it's huge now. You know, like you never expect it to be what it is, I guess. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So, Sophia, I have to I have to absolutely say that whether I come off that way or not on the podcast, like if you knew me personally, I'm pretty I'm pretty this is going to sound odd, but I'm kind of quiet privately and um, I, I'll start talking if you want to talk, but I, I'm a, I'm a fairly kind of quiet person and um, I am genuinely stunned every day. Like anytime someone like using Instagram as an example, anytime the, the podcast gets tagged in something on Instagram, like my first genuine reaction is always like, oh, like that's amazing that somebody's tagging me. Like I just, I always feel like that. And I do wonder if it's not, um, you know, like you could get psychological about it, but I, I just think that I'm trying to do this thing and it's stunning that it does it. Like it's not your, I, I can speak for myself, but I've heard enough other people say this as well. You don't start something like this with the expectation that it's going to ramp up in scope. You just think I'll do it. Like I'm going to do this and you don't start it for any particular reason. I guess if you're like a, 
you're like a business person, you might think I could start a blog and I can build it up and everything. I just never had that thought. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's nice is, is the best word for it. Like, it's really nice when you realize that it's reaching somebody and that they're finding value in it. I know, I know. It's just, it is a beautiful thing. Cause you start it just kind of to like dip your toes in, maybe help other people, maybe learn things yourself. And it's just, it's just, you know, it just makes you feel grateful. It's just awesome. Like the community is amazing. I love the space. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that no matter the impact, uh, scope for people, um, whether someone's talking to 10 people or, you know, 20 people or a thousand people or whatever they're doing, I think that it's, it's all of those people that make the idea of a community a reality. Oh yeah. You know, 100%. Yeah. I tried to make the point recently to somebody, and I don't know how articulate I was about it, that, that, um, there were some people in the past who thought of like the diabetes online community as certain people, and then everybody looked to them, but I never saw it that way. I always thought it was like, there were certain blogs, for instance, back in the day that were much more popular than others in, in clicks. But I always thought it was the collection of everybody that made the feeling. So, you know. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it because it's true. Yeah. Like somebody's always going to have more readers, you know, than somebody else. But, but it, but if it's just them, and no one else. It's not a community. It's it's a it's a content hub, which is fine. Yes. Which is nothing wrong with it. But I'm just saying, like when you have somebody out there who's earnestly putting in the effort to a Facebook page or an Instagram account that has five people looking at it, they're still putting in that earnest effort. And there's an energy about that that I love. So I don't know if that makes any yeah, sense. Or not. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, so you're doing that, and that sounds like it's working out like very nicely it's given back to you and you're giving back to other people. Um, it's terrific. Is there something specific you wanted to come on the show about or what, what was the reason for reaching out? I don't know. I guess, um, back in the day when I was, um, kind of involved in a lot of organizations, like I was mentioning before, there was one summer when I was intern interning at JDRF. And that was kind of when the idea really came to me, like, okay, I really want to like, do something. And I remember kind of looking at podcasts because the drive from my house to where the Dallas office was, was like almost an hour in rush hour. So I was like, okay, I want to start listening to something. And so during that time on my way home, I would listen to your episodes. And so I don't know, like just when I read, I know when I reached out to you, it was like a couple months ago now, but I was kind of reflecting on it. Like, man, during that time, what I was listening to was the juice box when I was really like buckling down on, okay, what do I want to do? So I don't know. I just kind of wanted to come on here and just, I don't know, be, uh, yeah. Like, I don't know if there was anything I could share with anyone that would like help or whatever. I don't know. Well, that's a common feeling for people who reach out that they just were, are hoping to say something to help somebody else. And I like that there's no like plan behind it that you're not like, yes, I do have a list here, Scott, of things that I wanted to uh, go over. I like the free flowing nature of a conversation like this. So what I mean, in your opinion, what do people who have diabetes who are, you know, were where you were even a few months ago or maybe struggling, you know, significantly like what's the what's the building blocks of what they need, in your opinion? Could you repeat that? I think it cut out a little bit. Oh, geez. No, don't worry. Um, I'm just wondering what you think the building blocks are for people who are struggling or trying to do better. Like, what is it they need to know in your opinion? Mm, that That is a great question because I feel like 
it's interesting because a lot of people I connect with men in, in my life as well, everyone's so different. Like just diabetes as a disease is so different for everyone. And people definitely need different things to be successful. But one thing I would say is having a community of some sort, whether it's your friends, your medical team, like the Instagram community, your family, whatever. I do think that's a really important piece of the puzzle that a lot of times people will not focus on as much because it can be really easy to get caught up in, oh, I need to have this number. Oh, I need to do this to manage my diabetes perfectly. But like you said, like, it's just, it is nice to have that accountability and like ideas from other people. Like my, my management changed completely when I like started having a community, you know? Yeah, no, I, I see that happen so frequently um, that it can't be, I just, I couldn't possibly deny what you said as being true. Um, it, it's at some point, at some point you meet a person who has, I, I mean, I, I'm imagining there's at some point I could, you could find the end to the, to the needs that people have, right? Like if we can make some massive, you know, master list, which we're not going to do. Uh, but <laughs> I think that, um, you can, I've tried to like narrow it down to the most common things that I see people ask about or struggle with and hoping that you can give them a lead in, you know, there were some people who are afraid of insulin. Um, some people don't even think of it as the insulin they're afraid of. They think they're afraid of the lows. It's, it, yeah. and, and those are two, basically the same thing, but they're thought of two different ways. Um, you know, there's some people who just don't understand, you know, how insulin works and, you know, it, you can tell people like, Hey, I think pre-bolusing is important. It might not be for everyone. Like some people might need a five minute pre-bolus where some people might need a 10 minute and some people might need more and more. I think that the, the blockade to reaching those people in the past has been that everyone wants to say something that covers everybody and you just can't do that. So you can't, you can't say something actionable that will answer every person's need. So what I've tried to do is just say, look, at its very core, I think if you um, get your basal insulin right, if you understand how your meal insulin works, if you understand how different foods impact your blood sugars, if you try to stay flexible, like, you know, these sort of more simple ideas, um, I think that that has the best chance of reading the reaching the widest group of people. Um, because yeah. when you try to start drilling down, it's just nearly impossible. And not that somebody couldn't do it. Like you could, you could say to yourself, like, I'm Sophia and I'm going to make a blog about people who only need to pre-bolus five minutes before they eat. <laughs> but then how do you find those people to like, let's say your information was rock solid on our topic. How do you then find those specific people so that they can find the specific information? And so there, part of me feels like it's a funnel, like you need a big wide mouth, to bring people in and then hopefully there's enough information once they get in there that they can find the thing that works for them before they, you know, scoot out the other side of the funnel. So I don't know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. And one thing I like about your, what you like share and a lot of, a lot of people are um, pointing this out like as of recently, but like management and like diabetes care has been so set for so long. And it's just nice to see like, oh, I can pre-bolus like 15 minutes before, even if someone has to do it five minutes before. And even if my doctor has never told me about that before, yeah. like there's just a lot of great information coming out in this day and age as well. Like it's just cool. I can't imagine being a diabetic, like even 20 years ago, like 
when I think about it, it blows my mind. It's the loan is the first word that comes to my mind. Like they, they, people must have felt so like just disconnected from everything. I, I just had someone on to start the season, excuse me, at the beginning of January. And, you know, she's an adult who was diagnosed as an adult and didn't get good information. Didn't even know she had type one for a while, which happens Man. a crazy amount more than you would think it does. Like they send you out the door and like, you're a type two and you know, and nothing gets better and you're swallowing metformin and nothing is happening. And it happens a lot, you know, just a lot. And so even in 2020, I think it was only a year ago, it was Jill. It was the, I forget what the name of the episode was. It was the first one in, in that came out in 2021. Um, she still got isolated because the doctors weren't helping her. She didn't know what to do. She was lost. She was just in an abyss. And she was able to dig her way out through, you know, I think she said she found a couple of YouTube videos. She found the podcast. She did a couple of things and she finally found a better doctor. But to your point, 20 years ago, there's not a, there's no podcast. There's no content. There's no, you know, again, we mean, maybe you would, I mean, 20 years ago, you're not even finding a blog, honestly, probably, you, you know, so um, yeah. What, what did those people do except, you know, struggle? It's terrible. Oh, terrible. Yeah. It's a terrible thought, really but sucks. Hey, they made it through. They're awesome. I love hearing stories of people who are like, yes, I've been a type one diabetic for 50 years yeah. and I'm still going strong. Like, man, that is some inspiring stuff. No kidding. It, it, I know. it really is. Especially like I've talked to people in their sixties, you know, who are diagnosed Dude. as children. And, and it's funny you ask them questions and I don't even think they know how they got here. They're just like, I just, the doctor told me to do it and I did it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, um, it is really interesting. It really is that, that they, that, that, that can be the truth. And we have the ability now to go talk to them and hear their stories so that other people can hear them too. Because I think that becomes important perspective because, you know, if you're diagnosed today, you know, right now, today, you're going to take no comfort or solace in the fact that this is the best time in the history of the world to have type one diabetes. Oh, definitely not. Right. right. <laughs> that is not going to be comforting to you whatsoever. <laughs> and the only way for you to take some comfort out of that is to hear a story from someone who's like, Oh, I used to have to mix regular and MPH or I had to boil needles, you know, or, mm -hmm. you know, I, we used to have to pee on a thing to get my blood sugar. Like <laughs> those kind of stories will make you be like, so it just takes, Two hours for the Dexcom to warm up? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fine with me. Yeah. Uh, it, it gives you that perspective that you need because, you know, you see it. Like, you're young, right? Um, probably to you, you don't feel young, but you're young in my opinion. <laughs> and um, and so, like, when you see something happen in the world, whether it's social or political or something like that, it feels like the very first time it's ever happened because it's the first time you're seeing it. And that happens for everybody, for everything, you know? Yeah, that's a very good point. That is. Yeah, it's just, it's new to you. And so, you know, the amount of like notes that I get from people that are always like, I'm going to start a blog. And I'm like, okay, because people need to know about this. I'm like, that's great. Like you do that. If you feel like you want to do that, that's fantastic. But there's always the part of me that's reading it. that's like, you're just learning today that, you know, there's not great. Sometimes there's not great testing for people when they're being diagnosed or whatever the thing is that they're you know, like feeling very passionate about in that moment. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing to see all their energy and you think, great, get out in the world and do it because you'll reach some people that somebody else won't reach. And that'll, that'll be terrific. But it's, 
it's really interesting to me that that feeling of I've just seen it for the first time. So therefore this must not have existed before today. Uh, it's just such a human reaction. It is a human reaction, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> so where, where do you hope to take all this from here? That is a great question. Um, I don't know. I mean, one big part of like my platform, I guess, is it's funny. This summer after I was diagnosed, I started doing pageants for the first time. Okay. And so that has been a really fun place to take like advocacy. And I'm going to be competing in another one this upcoming summer if like COVID permits. And I'm excited for that. And then like now after starting the blog, like although it was an originally a hobby, I think it would be fun to work in the diabetes field, not necessarily solely as like an influencer, quote, quote, mm -hmm. um, but just just somewhere in the diabetes space, just because I don't know, it, I'm very passionate about it. And I think it's so interesting. And I would never have a boring day at work. Yeah, because I'm very interested in it. Uh, that's cool. I hope you find a way to do it. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, for certain. It's it is. Um, I, I'm not a fan of the word influencer as well. Yeah, that's why I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I could kind of hear it in your voice when you said the same <laughs> thing. I had, uh, you know, there's sometimes I, I do things with people or and I was on this call one time and they were like, you know, I said something like of all of our influencers, you and I just stopped them. I was like, listen, please don't call me an influencer. I was like, <laughs> I was like that to me, to me, an influencer feels like a person who can get eyes on them. And then can take those eyes and point them at a thing, a link or something like that. And it might be, I don't know if it's high minded or if I'm wrong or whatever, but I like to think that if I like to think that the information that I put in the world is so is valuable enough that people who are familiar with it, trust me because they trust what they've heard. And if then that makes it possible for me to say, Hey, you should check out the T1D exchange for for example. I mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm splitting hairs, but I don't think of that as being an influencer. No, cuz and it's a different thing when it's something you believe in. Like you're like I want to share this with you because I think it's important. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. and you have that passion. It's not just go look at this link so I can get some moolala. I, I never hold up a can and I go, "Hey, have you ever drank this after a hard <laughs> workout?" Uh because I do and it's really great. Uh it just no I I one time <laughs> dipped my toe in paying attention to like one of the food companies that was like heavily using influencers and they contacted me and they were like, you know, we'd like to. And I said, look, I, I said, I could sell you some ads. I was like, but I, I'm not going to said, first of all, I, I, I'm like a hundred years old. Like, I don't think you want me going mm -hmm. on Instagram being like, this is hip. Cause I think people would be like, uh, He's not hip unless he's talking about breaking his hip. So, you know, like I I, I don't oh, think I'm the right no, I don't think I'm the right person for that to begin with. But I just told them, I was like, look, I, I'm not gonna do that. Y you know, I, I appreciate that you think it would work, but I said I'm happy to sell you an ad or more than one ad and tell people, but I want it to be clear to people that it's an advertisement, not me saying I eat your food. Like I tried all their food and I liked some of it and some of it I didn't like. So when I did the ads, I was like, look, I tried this and this was good. Um, if you want to try it, here's a way you can try it. But I don't like that. And again, I, I appreciate you saying what you said, because I don't think I am splitting hairs on the on the subject, but I don't 
I don't like the idea of everyone's looking over here, so I'll hold some stuff up and then charge somebody for it. Like, I don't know if that's the, I don't know. Like, I, I, I can't even tell as I'm saying. I know how I feel about it, and I know that I'm uh, both passionate and, and resolute about the idea, but I don't know that I can explain it exactly. It's just a vibe, and I, I don't like that vibe for some reason. Yeah, no. What what you mean is coming across. Does it? But, Thank you, because I don't have the words. Yeah, and also, can I just say, though? Please. I was thinking about this when you, like, started on the topic of, like, doing ads. If you did do an ad, like, I just feel like it would be hilarious. Like, if you had, like, an Instagram video of for something, like, in your honesty, you'd be like, yeah, I tried this food. It was all right. You might like it. <laughs> I definitely didn't. <laughs> Just like I'm just imagining it right now. I feel like it would just be hysterical. Well, I have to tell you that in my heart of hearts, I think that's the the most direct way to people is through honesty. And I don't mm-hmm. I just think that a company like that wouldn't be up for you saying, hey, their pizza is great. But this enchilada is shit. It's like, you know, like I, I don't think they'd be up for it. But I think I think the honesty would drive more people than you think, you, you know. So and and I do I do feel lucky, too, that that the show is sponsored by by brands and companies that I can 100% like stand behind. Like I would be mortified if I had, like if I was in a position where I'm like, I have to take an ad from a meter, for instance, but I've never used this meter before, but I'm going to hold it up and say it works. You, you know, like I, I don't know that I could bring myself to do that. I, I'm happy to have not have to find out if I could, but I uh, <laughs> I don't think that I could. So... Yeah, that's the thing. There's just and there's not a lot of people in the space like this. Like I can't even really think of anyone, but it's just being genuine. Like you're gen you actually use what you share. I actually use what I share. Like it's just being real about it. Yeah. No, I I, I hear it. I really do. And uh, you know, I've heard people make the argument that, you know, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that on Instagram because you're using your, you know, your platform to move people for companies and all that stuff and and I don't, I can't speak to that. I don't know what it's like to run a very popular Instagram account. Um, but I can tell you that for the podcast, the podcast is a full-time job. And if I didn't take ads, there wouldn't be a podcast. And that's not just lip service to make you feel better about there being ads in the podcast. I, I have a life and I have bills and this takes <laughs> up a lot of time. And Yeah, and, no, that's a fair point too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and I think people now, I, I can't believe I'm going to say nowadays because I don't like the phrase at all. But I think in the in the the space we're in right now, people online understand that. And like I've seen my like my kids get that. They get that they're get that they're watching something, somebody made it, and you know what, an ad's gonna pop up in the middle of it, and that's the price I pay if I want to watch this. Um, whereas I think as recently as 10 years ago and definitely a little farther back, taking an ad on a diabetes blog would have been death. Like people would have shunned you for that, and um, and it just it was, and I think it was just as the infancy of the internet grows, people's understanding of what it takes to create the internet grows too, and and I think those things kind of go hand in hand. Um, but how would you make a business out of it? Like like would you? I mean, what's your goal? Like I think the podcast works because my main goal is to help people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't know another way to start. But, it, they're, but <laughs> no, they're, this is a good way. You started a good way. Yeah, but there must be other ways to still do good things for people. I just they didn't occur to me. So <laughs> now we're workshopping your idea. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I I mean I don't know because definitely helping people is a big goal for me. And then 
like another side note, personal goal is I want to enjoy what I do, Mm -hmm. you know, and I definitely enjoy being involved in the diabetes realm, but I don't know. I mean, I've thought about maybe going to work for like maybe an organization or a company that makes certain things. There's definitely some organization and companies that I would not work for. Like there's a select few or I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. No. I have like a year and a half. So hopefully I can figure it out before then. Well, that's cool. <laughs> so you could, yeah. So you could take this, this like blended degree that you're getting and work in marketing for a, like a small org all the way up to a company that's, you know, selling glucagon to people and, and that you might be able to find, um, value in that. I know my wife's worked for a number of different companies along the way. And when she worked for one who made diabetes stuff, she said it was, it felt more fulfilling to her than when like, and it was just random that she ended up somewhere where people made diabetes stuff. But you know, she's like, you know, it feels a little more important when you go to work and you know, it's helping Arden and people like her. And, you know, so I think there's a lot to that. And I, I can't agree with you more like about wanting to go to work and feeling passionate about it. That is, uh, yeah. that's definitely, uh, uh, should be everybody's goal if they can, if they can make it happen. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. So you're going to stay in the Texas area or do you think you'll move around the country? Um, that is a great question. I feel like I would probably only live in Arizona or Texas unless like something crazy happened. Like if I did get like an amazing job offer and it was exactly what I wanted to do, but I don't know. He's, it's crazy, man. Like thinking about all these things now that I'm kind of getting towards the end of college. I'm like, man, I got to start thinking about these things, but yeah. it's exciting, but I'm a pretty fluid person. I mean, I change insulin methods. I move my couch around. So who knows what will happen <laughs> <laughs> when, when you started college, obviously coronavirus COVID didn't exist in your mind or anyone's mind. It, it existed. We just didn't think about it. Um, different COVIDs, but now that it's here, does it, how much of that decision-making do you feel flavored with this new reality? Is it part of all your decisions? Mm. Or not? I mean, it's, it's somewhat part of them, but I'm a very look on the bright side person. And I'm like, maybe by the time I graduate, COVID will be gone, but I know, I know the world will never be the same, but it's like a small portion of my decision-making, but no, that's I fair. I, I just was very interested because of your age, like specifically, because you're not, you know, you're not your parents who are worried about you. You're, you're, you're literally thinking about oh. yourself, which is, is, is valuable. Um, and you know, obviously is the way it should be. Um, I'm not saying you're just like focused on you. I'm saying that you're the part of your life where you're thinking about, you know, what am I going to do for a living? And will it be something that I enjoy and, and all that stuff. And I was just wondering how much of it was like, well, I would move, but I don't want to move during this or, but it's, I I like that. It's, it's going to sound strange, but I like that. It's not a big part of your thought process because I think you have to live like it is going to be taken care of by a vaccine, hopefully. And, and if not, then you can adjust down the road, but it would feel doom and gloomy to plan. Like I have to stay here because I'm scared. To, like, you know what I mean by that? I don't know if that makes sense. Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I would not want to have that mindset. Like I, yes, obviously we need to consider it, but I agree with, I want to make plans and like live my life. Hopefully plan to live my life as if everything's going to be okay. But 
We yeah. shall see. Yeah. I'm super interested. Like I'm enjoying talking to you because you're at a you're at a crossroads like position of your life, which I'm sure you think of one way and I see a different way. But like talking to you, I could make the point that by the way you structure your thoughts and the way you communicate, I could say you sound like you're 30 years old. Really? But, but when I hear the the actual thoughts, you you come across as your exact age. And so, wow. so it's interesting to have people on your age because, you know, because sometimes people cannot know what they think. And it's it becomes inter- it becomes obvious when you ask them a question. Now, the difference between not knowing the answer because you haven't considered it yet uh, and not being able to kind of like fantasize about it and think it through are two different things. You're you're like, I'm not sure, but. And then you explain your thought process, which has been really interesting for me. So I appreciate it. I have interviewed a couple of younger people over the times where you're like, you ask them a question, like, I don't know. And then nothing <laughs> else happens. And you're like, did you not okay, understand your part of this when you decided to do this? <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Like, like you're going to need That's to have funny. an answer, you, you know. Um, but but I, I'm really liking it. It's in, It's interesting to talk to somebody who's in your position in life, but not of but hasn't been an adult for 10 years yet. I don't know if that's making sense or not, but no, that does make sense. Yeah, that does make it's sense. very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. What about your health moving forward? Um, you think ever about the fact that you'll age out of your parents' insurance one day? Is that something you have to consider? Or does that feel yes. like it's really in the future still? I mean, it, I mean, it's like four years from now, but that is something that I definitely, definitely think about. And one thing that also happened last year with like moving out and COVID and then just having a lot of life changes. I did have like probably a couple weeks to a month of where I was just feeling anxious, like anxious beyond belief. And I was thinking about everything that could go wrong in my life and like worrying for like a little period there. And thank goodness I'm over it now, but just dealing with all those changes in my life was stressful. Mm Mm-hmm. And so one big thing that I was worried about was, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? What if I graduate college and COVID's still happening and I can't get a job and then I can't have insurance and then I die? Like, mm-hmm. obviously that's not rational. <laughs> and then I die. But I these like, are the things that goes through a 21-year-old's mind. Yeah. I like so, how you kill yourself in your theory. <laughs> You're like, and then <laughs> No, like, and then why darkness. did I have to go straight there yeah. and freak myself out? And but, then darkness. Uh, <laughs> I know. But no, like, I'm very blessed. My parents have great insurance. Um but yeah, one thing that I do, I have been realizing lately is, and like, I've also like had a couple conversations with other people about this. And that's kind of why I've been thinking about it lately. As a diabetic, you do really have to kind of worry about other things in a career path than other people. If you will, like one big thing for me is wherever I get a job, it needs to have good insurance. It needs to have the things that I need so I can like have good management. And so that's just another interesting piece of thinking about a future is, am I going to be okay in that regard? Right. It does not lend itself to the idea of like, I'm going to take a year off and work on a ski slope and make a couple of bucks and ski all day. And you you, you really do have to think like once I'm off someone else's insurance, like obviously if you're lucky enough to be on someone's insurance, first of all, that you're going to be off of it at one point and that, and then that's it. Like it's, you know, there's, there's no grace period between when you need insulin next, you know, it's, you know, it's just. (laughs) doesn't exist like that. Um, that would be cool. How do, no. you, how do you find online, 
what's my question? Do you do you only interact with people who are mostly your age, or is there a wide like grouping? Because that's the one thing I find interesting about the podcast is that it's not like it's probably more twenty three. Like I find the like the very responsible twenty three year olds listen through like the late thirties people is the is the sweet spot for where most people are listeners. But there are still people listening who are teenagers, not as many. But over forty and um, fifty and even sixty, like I, it's it's weird to think that you're trying to talk in a way that you know generations of people can can hear and 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 be interested by. But do you feel like you're just talking to people your age on Instagram and through the blog? So I would have to say no. Okay. Um. I mean, I feel like. Maybe majority is probably like in their 20s, but at the same time, like, for example, yesterday I was talking to someone who was like a parent and they're a type one diabetic. And then I was also talking to a little boy that I've connected with who's like 14. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Like, I that's my finding too. And I was just wondering if Instagram limited you because of like algorithms, actually. Like, I was wondering if it was Ooh. pushing you towards like certain aged people. No, that is a good point. I mean, I'm sure it does that somewhat, but. A big goal for me is definitely to con- actually connect with people that I meet on there. Yeah. And so I do try and make a big point of that as well. Yeah. It gets overwhelming at some point. It's um I I still answer every one of my emails, but I'm down to having to create like I do an email day every month. So wow. I sit down and I I answer emails for like five hours sometimes. Oh my god. And it's just like it's I, I I really do think it's important and I really genuinely actually want to answer the emails. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I felt, I feel like at one point I noticed when I was, you know, first doing this, there were people who had some popularity and you'd get these like bounce back emails that were like, Hey, I'm sorry. We answer as many emails as we can, but blah, blah. And I was like, Oh, like I don't ever want anybody to get that um, from, uh, from me. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like the, I value your opinion, but I'm much too busy to answer you. Like, I just don't want that. Like, I don't ever want that vibe to be associated with me. And I'm trying, I really am trying my best. I, I struggle more. Like I have to admit, I don't quite understand why people like Instagram. Like I know they do. And I'm not saying they shouldn't. I'm just saying like when people are having conversations in Instagram comments that I've aged through that, like, uh, I'm like, this is not where people should be typing to each other. I know that's not right, but you know, I'm older than you are. Uh, and there's part of me that thinks that, you know, even like Facebook, it just doesn't allow enough, enough conversation where people can really understand each other, you know? And, um, I, I, I know from my own personal interactions, Sophia, that, that as much as I might look like my, I'm out there in the world, that's still just a small slice of who I am. Like I think if you met the entire me, I'm not the guy on the podcast. I am, but I'm not just the guy on the podcast, I guess. And Mm -hmm. then you get kind of like, it's scary to think that people could just see you as one thing, but you sort of have to just give it away. You sort of have to be like, okay, I guess this is how I come off to people. And I guess that's who I am to them. Um, Do you ever think about that idea of like what it's, what it's going to be like, what it's like when you're on Instagram that you're, you really are opening yourself up to people's interpretations. Hmm. See, you're in a different generation. You probably don't give a shit about that. (laughs) I mean, 
I have always been the type of person to not really care, if you will. Like I remember being younger and I got my first phone and I like my mom finally let me get a Facebook and I just was taking like the ugliest pictures of myself on purpose because I thought it was funny and posting them. And my mom was like, why? Literally why? And I was like, I don't know. So I've always had that personality that's kind of just I let things roll off my back and I don't mind being myself. Yeah. It, I mean, it can be kind of scary, though, when it gets to the level of, OK, there are there are a lot of people looking at your stuff. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, like, obviously, I share a lot on there, but I agree, like, unless someone meets you, they're not going to really fully know who you are. But in that, I mean, I just understand that. I hope other people understand that. And then I just continue to be myself on there and share the things that I think are beneficial to that page and hope for the best. Yeah. I do my best to, um, to really, if I get feedback that's not positive, I really do my best to look at it and think, is there something in here that I, I, maybe I should like, maybe I'm, even if I don't feel that way, am I, am I coming across a certain way or, or do I, am I really like that? And I don't recognize it. It's, um, I think it's easy for people to critique from the outside, but they're not, they'd, they'd think it differently if they had recorded 500 hours of content and put it out there for people to listen to. You'd recognize all of a sudden that you're not always at your best, that you're not, you know, it's, um, I'm saying that I'm not trying to say, you know, pity me or you (laughs) or people who put content up, but there's more to it than would meet the eye, I guess, more impact on your side of it. So, um, it, I think it's genuinely uh, generous of people who are willing to take that risk to share with somebody, hey, I really think you should pre-bullis, you know, and who doesn't at the end of it say, uh, and for just $75 a month, you can join my group that'll teach you how to pre-bullis on your own. Like, you know, like, you know, that kind of thing. Like if you're doing it as a business, it's 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 a business, you know, and I, I couldn't yeah. also, I couldn't argue that the podcast is a business because it makes, it makes ad revenue, but I, I just, I really wish people knew me like as, as personally as they could to know that I just don't, I don't do things for those reasons. So if, if this stopped being valuable to people, even if it was still making ads, uh, I would just, I would stop, I wouldn't have the heart to keep doing it. So I don't know. I don't know what I would do next, but I, I, I definitely couldn't just churn this out to get paid. Um, and, uh, I don't know. You seem like a really decent person. That's why I was I, I wanted to have you on. I, I, I like what you got, what you do. And, uh, and it just seemed like it would be nice to shine a light on you a little bit. So please don't like, <laughs> please don't put a plan on your, on your, on your blog next week after this, this comes out and you're like, Hey, for just $50 a month. <laughs> Wouldn't that be, that would be hilarious. That you know what? Terrible. Maybe I would laugh. Maybe I'd be like, huh? <laughs> She played me pretty good, but oh, yeah, no. Did I tell you I'm starting a group? Yeah, right after you put my episode up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that part uh, of my part of my job has become to weed out the people who just want to sell something. It's I'd love to be on your podcast, and I actually have to like dig through and do my best to infer from a distance what their intention is. And so it's 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 not always easy to do, and it's time consuming sometimes too. And it's not, it's definitely not something I want to be involved in. But uh, it just occurred to me a couple of years ago that once the podcast hit a certain point, that people were like, "I want to come on because I really care about people with diabetes." And then they'd come on, and the first thing they were like, "Why well, this thing?" And I'm like, "Oh God!" Like I didn't recognize that that would happen either. I was not prepared for that, honestly. 
Wow. I never really thought about that, but yeah, you, you, you would have to be on the lookout for stuff like that. It's, I didn't really think about that. Yeah. I have a lot of weird jobs. I have the be on the lookout for people trying to use the podcast to reach people so they can sell something job. I have the figure out who a Facebook scammer is to try to keep the Facebook group clean. Like I never thought that would be a skill. Like I can almost look at a Facebook thing now and I go, that's not a real person. And, and before, that's a skill right there. I before did not have that skill, but if you look at enough of those, like of the fake accounts, they follow like, and then every once in a while I'll just, I've made a mistake like last week. I just said no to somebody and I got an immediate email and the guy's like, hey, my kid was just diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and I got rejected from the Facebook page. And I said, oh. and I just I emailed him back. I said, your Facebook page looks like a, a bot account. Like you have to like you didn't look like a person. And I'm like, I'm really sorry. I'll let you in. Like just by the fact that they emailed me, I was like, all right, well, obviously this is a, a real person, but. <laughs> you know you can't you, it's weird and the algorithm kicks them back at me from facebook it's like it, it basically says look at this one look at this one look at this one because the algorithm thinks it's not a real person anyway that's not something i thought i'd ever be involved in sophia is what i'm trying to say <laughs> <laughs> and i take no joy from um at all tell me uh tell me if we didn't talk about anything that you wish we would have um I don't, I mean, I don't think so. I think, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think about anything else. Like I work part-time, which I feel like isn't that interesting. We touched on pageants. We, yeah, we touched on the blog and everything. So, so you really are like by virtue of you being here and recording, you must assume that I looked at you and I thought this is a real person who wants to say real things. And you really came through like in that, um, I really got the vibe as we were talking that you weren't just like, please tell people about my blog, please. And and so you come across well online to me. So I, I hope that's meaningful to you. I, I also Thank hope you. that you're not sitting there quietly going, wow, this guy, I just want people to listen to my blog and I can't believe he, <laughs> I can't believe he no, can't figure it out. But no, I know, I, I know you're not. That a lot coming from you. No, seriously, like you, you, you – I, I God, this sounds odd, but like I said yes to you in a week where I probably said no to five other people. Like you were the only one that rung true to me of 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 that grouping that came in at that time. And um, oh my gosh. I could be wrong. Like I could, you know what I'm saying? But I really felt like I wasn't. Like I felt like here's a person who's genuinely trying to share some the, her life with type one diabetes with people. And uh, and I thought it would be nice to you know, let you come on and talk about it. And then you came on and you really did not have an agenda, which then leads to conversation. I don't know what the hell we talked about, but I, st I still really liked it. So, well, thank you. I, that means a lot. And I appreciate you having me on here. No, no, it's, it's my pleasure. It really is. Huge. Thanks to Sophia for coming on the show and sharing her story. Don't forget to check her out on Instagram. Her Instagram name is what the prick. It's what dot the dot prick. You know what prick, right? Everybody knows a prick. What the prick on Instagram. I also want to thank everybody who's bought me a cup of coffee this year at buymeacoffee.com forward slash juicebox podcast. And a special shout out to the members who buy a coffee automatically every month. You guys rock. Thank you so much. Check out the private Facebook page, Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. Don't forget to fill out that survey at the T1D Exchange, t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. I got a lot stuck in here. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Talk to you soon. I'll be back really soon, actually, with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.